Planet X Cinema is a pop-up movie theater showing righteous trash cinema. Each week on this show, the Hicks brothers meet to take suggestions for new movie titles from the Planet X faithful and turn them into brand new films. It's fake movies from the minds of madmen. Welcome to the Planet X Cinema podcast. I am Drew Hicks. Huzzah! Hail and well met all. I am Blair Hicks. Uh-oh. Hail and well met, huh? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, are, we, are we going to the Renaissance Fair again? Oh, man. I can't get there quick enough thanks to my Amazon Prime algorithm. Uh, okay. It started about a week ago, and it was like... <laughs> uh, Judging by what you've watched, would you like to watch The Warrior and The Sorceress? And I was like, hell yeah, I would. David Carradine's in that. Um, and then it was like, would you like to watch Deathstalker? And I was like, yeah, yes, I would like to watch Deathstalker. Would you, would you like to watch Deathstalker 2? I was like, yeah, yes, I would. Things get a little wackier in Deathstalker 2. Would you like to watch Sorceress? Would you like to watch The Arena? Would you like to watch Fire and Ice? I'm trapped now. I'm, I can't get out of it. I'm, uh, Wait, when you say Arena, do you mean the sci-fi boxing one? The, the, the Arena. Yeah. The Arena. Yeah, The Arena. Which is different from Arena. Um, yes. I don't think I it's ever a, saw The Arena. I'm very familiar with Arena. We may be talking about the same. Um, no, no, no. Because well, no, because Arena isn't as well. Okay, we should find out because okay, no, the Arena is a different movie. This is crazy. What the fuck? It's is a this it's a 1974 Gladiator film. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, I, I I challenge you to go look up Arena. I I have watched Arena, which somebody was kind enough to put on um, YouTube, actually. Yeah, Arena is crazy, man. Arena is crazy. So is the Arena. Um, so it's, a it's a exploitation film, but, um, it has, is also known as naked warriors. So basically for the last week, I've seen a lot of swords and I've seen a lot of boobies. That's interesting. The- you don't hear, you don't hear about a, like, uh, black exploitation sword and sandal movies, huh? Uh, I mean, yeah, Pam, I gotta Pam say Pam that Pam one might be the arena. That's amazing. That one might be in a genre kind of by itself. <laughs> wow but it makes it makes a ton of sense right like like exploitation cinema in general i guess which i guess sword and sandal is a kind of exploitation cinema yeah i, I it, mean it I, could be looked at as that like with all the bodies and the misogyny and the whatever i think I especially a really refreshing crossover <laughs> yeah it was actually really good <laughs> I really yeah, like it. it's fresh as hell um, I, would watch, I would watch pam greer Buck up people with a sword? Like, I mean, I, I watch a lot of exploitation movies anyway. A lot of the mm. stuff we talk about on Planet X is technically exploitation films. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different one. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I've been down, down this rabbit hole, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pull myself out of it. But at the same time, it's, like, it's really wonderful to watch just spend a week watching exploitation um, kind of 70s fantasy films. I haven't yeah. seen The Warrior and the Sorceress in forever, which I actually really like. David Carradine yeah. is in it. It mm-hmm. famously has a really bad reptile puppet. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I actually really like that one. Um, but. Uh, 
Yeah, Carradine was in Sword and Sorcerer as well, right? He had a couple of... Was he in the sword, the sword and the sorcerer as well? The one with the three-pronged shooting sword? I thought he was, but maybe I'm confusing sword and sorceress with sword and sorcerer. You might be. Boy, all the titles are real samey, huh? Well, I mean, there's also Sorceress, which is pretty yeah, good, too. Okay. He, was, like, <laughs> he, was, he was not in that. I'm sorry. He wasn't Sword and Sorceress. But yeah, Sorceress is really interesting. That's the one about the twin girls, right? The two that are one. That's right. It's really... <laughs> yeah, like, um, we're like great... They couldn't, get, they couldn't find two Brigitte Nielsens, but they got as close as they could. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? We've always said this as great defenders of, of Willow. I don't. I still don't understand why we live in a world where that movie needs defending. But um, you know, before Lord of the Rings, if you wanted to watch a fantasy movie, that took some effort, man. Like, the, yeah. Willow is, I think, far and away. It, even if you don't like it for some bizarre reason, production-wise, it's easily the best. I mean, you were watching oh, yeah. at we we were watching Ator movies unironically <laughs> yeah you know? I mean, especially you know when i was a kid you know coming up hicks um like we i i experienced the tail end of the satanic panic with regards to dungeons and dragons and and that whole subculture oh and, and like the hell's bells dangers of rock and roll kind of christ christ exploitation stuff that they actually call it that now yeah, well, what I meant was like we had to we had to kind of lay low and couldn't really be super duper public about the fact that we were into this hobby because there were consequences to being in it. Um, and so we sought out a lot of films to like, you know, when we couldn't, you know, play D&D. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I like I remember thinking and still thinking like Conan the Destroyer was a great film or like the Ator films are really fun. And like, I don't know, I kind of liked Beastmaster because like it's for me, it scratched an itch. I totally understand people that come in later and watch those and go, oh God, this is unwatchable. And okay, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But when you, oh, were, God, when yeah. you were a kid in the 90s and you needed to scratch the fantasy itch, like mm, sorceresses went down real good. <laughs> and like, we weren't stupid. I mean, if you see a movie like Gore, it's just you just go like this is garbage i can't watch this this is yeah well and like a lot of plan, like a lot of planet x stuff you know like i think it's okay to watch a movie and laugh at it as well as with it <laughs> like you know well, that's yeah that's okay. kind of you know like we were talking about the sword and the or, or the warrior and the sorceress with the david carradine there's a lot of really laughable stuff in it but it's it's still a very watchable film right the pacing is good enough sure yeah Ca- the casting is pretty good um mm-hmm. the sets look good um uh it's 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 gritty that stuff really does fit in well with exploitation cinema because it's so gritty looking surprisingly I mean, enough you know well, and i think in some ways i think a lot of it is kind of the uh the the mirrored reflection of black exploitation, especially where it's it's not about exploiting white bodies it's sort of about a an anglo fantasy in a big way a lot of those movies are kind of like rippling oh, totally rippling white dudes and beautiful white ladies being attacked by uh you know people of color which is like that's the whole critique of like a lot of the conan comic book stuff right that came out in the 60s and 70s like it was super racist and a lot of it a lot of it is oh yeah but I, do, sure. I do think there's some gems in there i think there's some really really fun movies there um, I certainly wouldn't defend any of those that I just talked about. I wouldn't defend them too hard, but like, um, yeah. 
but it, it, it is an interesting dichotomy to look at sword and sandals movies in the light of race and culture. I think that's, there you go. So whoever's out there working on their, you know, MFA in film theory, there you go. Yeah. You can have that. That's your dissertation. I think it's fun to watch them um, in, uh, now obviously you were a film student. I'm really just a movie fan, um, but, you know, watch a lot of movies. I like watching these. Uh, the Warrior and the Sorceress was the last one I watched, and I was watching it the whole time going like, this is a Western this is a, it's oh cool yeah yeah you know like it works as i mean the fact that david carradine's in it and he was in kung fu and it, he was this whole wandering warrior thing you go like oh well maybe you're just jumping the game and i'm like no this totally works like a western this or a ronin film too you know yeah, like yeah. there's it, so you know again like a lot of planet x films you go like it, you know the, the a lot of these films were not made by untalented people there's a lot of work that went into these things and going like how are we going to make castles and armor and all this stuff with no money and make it not yeah. look laughable and the people that pull it off you know like i think it's actually a really lovable genre of films aside from aforementioned problem stuff and just excessive nudity i think is the other thing that kind of ruins like the well, I want to I say a couple things. First off, I completely disagree with your point about nudity. I think nudity in films is great and fun, and there should be nudity in films, especially in films that are, are as ridiculous as barbarian films. I'm fine with it. I'm for it. Um, but what I was going to say, you mentioned Westerns, which is really, really interesting. Like, I think like James Cameron at one point said he's never made a film that's not a Western. And like, I don't, I don't, whatever. I mean, like, that's his view of his movies. Like, I don't know how the abyss is a Western, but whatever. Um, but it is interesting, right? Like he made aliens and he made uh, avatar and he made all these movies that are like, okay, yeah, they do kind of feel like white Indian stories or like the good guys rolling into towns to take out the bad guys. And I think, I think for a generation of men, especially Western equal sign action. Like, I think they grew up, if you grew up in the twenties and thirties with a lot of comic books, like, yeah, there was some fantasy out there and, and some like kind of savage worlds, uh, you know, pulp fiction stuff. But what bubbled up to the surface in like the fifties and the, in the forties was like cowboy stories. And I think, and like, I, you know, I think that's why a lot of directors are really excited by like Kurosawa because they felt those samurai movies felt a whole lot like Westerns. Right. And I think guys like Cameron and Lucas and those dudes grew up in a world where they were trying to say like, well, what if you had a Western, but it was with space Marines or what if you had a Western and it was with this or that. And they really gave birth to the action genre. It's like, we, we, we don't think about Western equal sign action, right? We think about like Western is like maybe a subgenre of action at best. But I, I think that's why a lot of those films in the seventies kind of have Western tropes in them, right? The lone gunman and he has, right. his family's all dead and he wanders the earth, but he's law abiding and he has to, he's a vigilante and like, it's the same story. <laughs> like, it's well, just and I, I mean, I think it's really interesting with like, we're going to show hard boiled in a couple of months and mm, in mm -hmm. Eastern cinema, you have samurai films, which evolve into heroic bloodshed films, which yep. leads to hard boiled. And then you end up with a movie like die hard. That's this, synthesis of all of that stuff and then you have the modern action movie right well yeah and john Woo's first films were uh were wuxai pian movies they were heroic bloodshed kung fu movies absolutely um, yeah and so, and it, and so yeah he takes the model of a kung fu movie and just puts guns in everybody's hands like okay that's and then yeah to your point by the mid to late 80s all of this stuff is coming together and that's where you get the golden era of like yeah die hard holy crap it's like 
kind of a western it's kind of a hong kong shoot 'em up like it's great yeah. <laughs> yeah you get you 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 get you big your big hollywood films go that way and then your your canon films your death wish yeah. 2 <laughs> invasion usa you go like oh okay we're just going to blow things up and both are great I like, but even, I like even those guys were going over to Hong Kong to like pick up actors and shoot some stuff. And like, it's cool, man. Like there's always a dialogue. We've talked about it before. There's always yeah, a dialogue yeah. with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, amazing. amazing. But we're not here. We're not here to give you a, a, a PhD dissertation on uh, sword and sandal black exploitation uh, <laughs> and the evolution of Western uh, Westerns as a genre. Uh, we uh, we take your hypothetical movie title suggestions each and every week and we turn them into fully fleshed out movies. That's what we do here at Planet X Cinema. Um, let's see. Oh, do you have a title? A I was going to say there's a whole bunch of ways you can uh, oh. get us your title. Uh, you can email us, planetxcinema.gmail.com. You can visit our website, planetxcinema.com and click on the submit button. Uh, if you post a review in iTunes, we will do it on the show. Uh, you can also post it to social media or just yell at us if you come to one of the live screenings. Um, but this week, I have a title selected for us. It comes to us from Patrick Dooley. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, uh, another pa- uh, Patrick Dooley also submitted... Um, New Hegemon, I believe. New Hegemon, the Grand Ape Order. A Grand Ape Order. So thank you very much in advance, I hope. Patrick, what is our title, Drew? The title is Gold Ridgeback. Gold Ridgeback. Gold Ridgeback. Gold Ridgeback. Now, the, okay, why did I choose this name? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, an, es- an essay by Drew. <laughs> yeah what <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll listen to that essay what you got <laughs> every every week we do no prep we we just pick that's a, right we pick a name randomly off the list whatever jumps out at us that week whatever we feel like doing when i saw this name it communicated nothing to me and that excited me <laughs> it's it's a world of possibilities so so good. well like like ridgeback is a kind of dog we could make a movie about a dog again okay but or mountains, it, it denotes mountains. Too, totally, right? yeah. It could be about the Gold Ridgeback Mountains. It could also be somebody's name. It Gold sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> it sounds like a wrestler. And in this corner from parts unknown, Gold Ridgeback. <laughs> <laughs> What's Gold Ridgeback's entry music if he's a wrestler? Actually, he'd probably one of he'd be one of those like uh, hillbilly wrestlers. It would just be like, uh, you know, uh, flat music. like chase music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dukes <laughs> of Hazard chase music. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Jesus, Gold, Gold Ridgeback. Ridgeback. Got to do something with it. We're stuck. Here we go. That's all right. Um, a lot of interesting stuff got thrown out. Um, I kind of like it as somebody's name. It's so weird. Like, what okay. kind of a person would be named Gold Ridgeback? Besides a besides a wrestler, I guess. Like in my okay, in my head, I see kind of like a Quigley style character, like big mustache, sun caked face, big floppy cowboy hat. I'm Gold so glad, Ridgeback. I'm, I'm so glad that we finally uh, mentioned Quigley <laughs> on this show. <laughs> Well, he, I, I was, I actually, I have to tell you, this one was given to me. He gave me two or three in person. Okay. One of them was Southern Gun Down Under. And I was like, well, we can't do that. That's, that's Quigley Down Under. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> <quickly> down under. <laughs> so maybe that's why Quigley's in my head. 
Wow. Yeah. And I'm so glad that my brain has made room to re- remember facts about Quigley and, and not important things. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. It, well, you know, we haven't really made a film, have we, that's like um, like an Alan Quartermain, Solomon's Mind, uh, Doc sure. Savage type pulp hero. That could be your gold Ridgeback. That could be really fun. Yeah, it could be like a, like an Indiana Jones kind of thing. Right. But it's like more, a real... Yeah. But more, but more into the jungle sort of right. like... Is that what you're thinking? More like hacking... Yeah, more like Solomon's Minds, you know? More, yeah. more like those... Uh, Boy, talk about Canon. I think Canon Canon did those Alan Quartermain uh, films in the eighties. Yeah, I think. Didn't they, they did what two or three of those, right? They did. I know they did at least two. I know they did at least two, and they were really that was not the era good. when <laughs> not very good. They made um, those in the same way that um, oh gosh, what was that TV show? Um, Renegade. Uh, <laughs> no, but we can talk about Renegade. The The Disney cartoon <laughs> Tailspin is actually a direct Holy analog shit. of a TV show. Um, and then I can't think of what it is. To this, to this day, Tailspin has, on paper, maybe my favorite setup for a TV show. It well, such, it's such a great idea for a show. It's so, so ambitious and so good, and I cannot believe it ever got made. But, so for the uninitiated, right? If you remember, Tailspin was a Disney TV show that reused the Jungle Book character assets. Uh, It took place in a nondescript time that actually in one episode they weirdly say was after the Great War, which is fucking awesome. So it was like kind of vaguely 50s and Baloo was like a bush pilot that had a big plane called the Sea Duck and he was like a freelance cargo pilot who lost his business. And so he ended up having to like smuggle stuff in and out of this cool Bay area. And there were sky pirates and Sheer Khan was like a corporate overlord. It was amazing. It, it's based on a TV show though. And the it's uh, tales, tales of the golden monkey tales of the, uh, have you ever watched this? No, it's a, never, it's, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. No, no, it's exactly the plot to Tailspin. It's a guy who owns his own plane and goes on Indiana Jones types adventures, and cool. he has he has a base of operations that's just like Louis's place in Tailspin. It's totally great. It's on my list of Planet X TV shows like Tequila and Benetti that like got maybe a season and need to be rewatched well, because okay. they're awesome. You know. So so can we take all of this, all of this fruit and veg we have? and puree it into a salsa that makes a delicious movie called Gold Ridgeback. I think we can. I think, um, I think it's a golden opportunity. I think it's a golden opportunity uh, <laughs> to, um, to do like one of those ad- ad- adventure films that we really liked growing up and during the kind of Indiana Jones craze where you have, you have a hero he needs to get an object. He gets the girl, or he picks up a partner. You know, like those those movies are fun. I think we can do that type of a film. So I like that. I feel like okay. I feel like Gold Ridgeback. Somebody made this thinking we're going to invent this character whole cloth, and we're going to make a great movie with him. The premise is he's a treasure hunter or whatever. He like goes Doc into, Savage. He's a Doc yeah, Savage type. Yeah, right? yeah. He he goes off into the world in search of action and adventure. There's a but but they were like, let's make James Bond, but with like 
a fun like whoever the poor man's Burt Reynolds is, right? Some guy who's smarmy enough and handsome. <laughs> Tom Selleck, Quigley, sure, perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, okay, now we're back to Quigley. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> like, but I like the idea that they set this up as like a formula. Like, oh yeah, he always goes to the bar to get the job, and then he meets the girl in Act One, and then like this happens and this, and then it all goes crazy, and then yeah, I don't know, maybe I guess we can't do seaplane. That's too on the nose, but like, well, that's also I think we that's this. Yeah, no, I think we can too. I think what we do is we take all those tropes and we go like, okay, well, he doesn't have a seaplane. Like, like all of those action heroes, Alan Quartermain, the guy from Tale of the Golden Monkey, um, uh, Indiana Jones, they all have their signature things, right? Indiana right. Jones has the whip and the fedora. The mm-hmm. There's the plane and Tales of the Golden Monkey. There's... Um, you know, Alan Quarterman, Quarterman is the ma- the master Bushman. You know, Doc Savage, the ultimate survivalist. It's like we gotta, we have to give Gold Ridgeback. We gotta give him a little bit of a, a story. We gotta say who he is. Okay, I like all and, of this. I think let, let, let's. Put, I want to put a pin in something because I do want to talk about what you just said. I think one way we can quickly separate this and make this a Planet X film is that all of the proposed Gold Ridgeback stories end with an element of actual supernatural reveal so they i thought maybe we can i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i thought maybe we can make him a cryptid hunter or something like that you know like like he's the world's great he's the world's greatest hunter gold ridgeback he searches for the yeti he searches for the what do they call the african dinosaur thing from baby secret of the lost legend um uh, baby i believe they call it baby because i'm not going to try a, to remember that whole plot. terrible film <laughs> i rewatched that recently uh so i think well yeah like what i was saying is like i like if there is an element of because like indiana jones never does this they always get to the end and they give you enough like the first one gives you enough supernatural stuff that you're like Oh, I guess it was really the Ark of the Covenant. And the second one, like, he does actually pull a heart out of a guy, which is fucking bananas. Um, but, like, I would love to, I would love for it to get to the end, and it's like, oh, no, it's reptile men. Like, or, oh, no, it's, it's actual black magic. Like, oh, yeah, like, the villain is actually the Mandarin from Iron Man comics, right? Sure, yeah, or, like, uh, like I think the Phantom kind of did this, like, where it was, like, they would get to the end, and it's like, oh, no, the Phantom's actually magic. He has magic. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That they did the that that was that's a thing. That's a thing. That was a thing in the Phantom. But I want that Again. to be the villain, not him. So like, let's yeah, let's take a minute here and get to know Gold Ridgeback. What time period do we want to place our hero? That is a hell of a question. Okay, I feel all like these guys are in the forties that we've mentioned. They all sort of start in the forties, right? The thirties and the forties. Yeah, I think that's right. Like 20s, 30s, 40s. And then I feel like the, I mean, it continues well into the 50s, but like, I feel like a lot of these movies were made in the 70s. Like these kind of globetrotting adventure, tough guy. There were certainly a lot of them made in the 80s and it was so popular that it even extended into, we let's mention Quigley just one more time to see how many times we can say Quigley on this fucking podcast. But uh, it extends to like romancing the stone, right? Like where you have uh, like Michael Douglas's character, you know, it's, it becomes a trope or crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee is a yeah, yeah. great, totally underrated film that falls into that kind of. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, a good point though. Okay. So like romancing the stone and jewel of the Nile, I think they're both firmly in this genre. 
but they're both set in contemporary times from when they were made. So mm-hmm. do we want to shoot this in the 70s and 80s and set it in the 70s or 80s? Or is this a film out of time, but it's kind of trying to be like we could do early 90s and this is the attempt by whatever the fourth studio was to do like when everybody did Batman and then whoever did the shadow and then whoever did the phantom and then the spirit. Yeah. Um, let, the spirit let's, and let's, Dick let's, Tracy. And like, that's right. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll answer you. This, this is how we're going to answer this. Let's ask the ultimate plan X question. What's the most fun? How are we going to have the most fun? Hmm. I mean, I like the earnestness of setting it in its own time period. There's something kind of of charming about that. And then you get sort of like a man out of time vibe. Like he's like a man from a past generation. Like it's, it's cool. I think it's why crocodile Dundee still works as a film. It's a great film because you have this guy from seemingly another world, but he's, he's not, I mean, it's set in, it's a contemporary film, right? It's just sort of this, yeah, man out of time. I like well, that. Okay, you know what? So, okay, actually, that's really fun. So, okay, let's blow up all of that and say, what if we made this movie in the last 20 years? Okay. Okay, so 2000s, all right. Sure. Well, yeah, 90s, 2000s, somewhere in there. And it was about, like, okay, so I have this complaint that, well, not a complaint. I think one of the really alluring things about Pulp Fiction is, not the movie, the genre, is it comes from a time when the world was still a little bit wild. Like, Oh yeah. If you went out to LA in 1910, it was still the wild West out there. Like there were people on horses with six shooters. Like if you went to Africa, it was, it was deep, dark Africa, right? In places. If you went to, you know, the world was truly different in different places. There were different cultures. There were things to discover. You know, the world still had a wildness to it. And I think that that genre did a great job of like, wouldn't it be exciting to uncover a temple in the jungle? Like it was this like sense of discovery, right? All of that is kind of, kind of feels lost now because we've mapped the whole world with Google earth and yada, yada, yada. Well, that's how you end up with James Bond as your replacement, right? Is we're going to now explore urban civilized world, but still with your lone super person basically, right? Yeah. So what if, what if the fantasy was there's this person and they don't have a cell phone and they don't use GPS, and they go to places that we, th- we think the whole world is mapped out. We think, every- we think we've been to every single corner and met every single person, but, like, there are whole islands, and we could get into, like, hollow earth stuff if we wanted. Like, I don't know, that's getting kind of far away from Gold Ridge back in the premise, but, like, is there something about an intentionally Luddite character in a modern era that's sort of reaching back to that pulp era? That feels kind of cool. Well, yeah, and again, like, I don't want to keep bringing up the same movies, but that is Crocodile Dundee, right? The whole thing. Yeah, yeah, he's from the middle of nowhere. He's from the outback. He doesn't, yeah, he shaves with a knife. He doesn't know what a bidet is. Like, it's, there's comedy there, too. There's, there's, it, 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 it gives you a character that can do a lot, right? Um, you can get comedy from it, but you can also get action badassery out of it because everyone is trying to reload their guns and he throws a rock at the bad guy. That kind right. of right, and it works. <laughs> and, it, and it works, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know what, dude? If I'm being honest, right? To answer your question, what is more fun? What's the most fun? What we just talked about feels like a movie talking at me, and like I don't. I don't think that's as fun as just watching Indiana Jones jump around with a whip. 
Like okay. I like the I like the idea of a man out of time, but I don't think I want to get preachy with it. I think I think what's more fun is just an adventure movie that's fun and full of adventure and it doesn't do everything right and it gets real fucking weird in the third act and that's why it's a great Planet X film. Then we're going to go back to last week's strategy. Let's okay. make our film. Put everything else aside and just say Gold Ridgeback, make your adventurer film. I'm like, all right, he's the ultimate adventurer. He used to be a cage fighter. He was a Whoa. feral child raised Whoa. by wolves. You know, like, like I want him to be like the ultimate everything. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, wait, that's great. What if, yeah, holy shit. Okay, so what if the story is somebody's trying to find Gold Ridgeback? Like, and I don't know, we can figure it's a reporter or it's somebody with a treasure map. I don't know. But they're hunting in like every dark den, every haunted corner of the world, looking for the legend, Gold Ridgeback, the man who was raised by feral wolves, the cage fighter, like his legend precedes him. Right. And then like, oh, that's really good because yeah, the whole movie, he can be just dropping like, uh, like he's like Cup from Transformers. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> like, they come over a ridge and it's like, oh, it looks like they've taken over the gold mine. Well, it can't be gold. They're like, looks like they've taken over the platinum mine. He's like, yeah, this reminds me of the thieves of Golgotha. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> bon weep, grana weep, ninibom. Ninibom. Be, That's right. Um, um, I like that. Polarities. <laughs> <laughs> it's really no that's really fun um it's really fun so then it then that kind of becomes like true grit right where it's like you go try to find this legendary character because somebody needs to accomplish something and only gold ridgeback can do it right yeah okay so i'm okay. not saying no, they find really him and he's a washed up drunk i'm saying that the setup to True grit, you know, is the... Yeah, no, and I think, I think this happens to gold all the time. I think people find him <laughs> and, and they're like, I found the treasure to the temple of whatever, Fintuzler. And he's like, the temple of Fintuzler sank into the ocean. I know, I was there. It's like, oh, fuck, he's so cool. Like, oh my God, is, yeah. he played, is he played by Ron Perlman with a Southern accent? Because that's well, what... Shit. I was going to suggest Sam Elliott, but Ron Perlman with a Southern accent's a whole lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> Boy, with just anybody we like could basically play this guy, couldn't it? Like, shoot, Carl Weathers could be Gold Ridge back, you know? But imagine, imagine, like, fit as fuck, late 70s, early 80s Sam Elliott. Oh, God. Kind yeah. of a little wiry guy with the big mustache, like, yeah, I'm, I'm Gold Ridge back. <laughs> he's, he's like the American, the American Alan Quartermain, right? Like, the way that Alan Quartermain is sort of like the ultimate British Bushman. You go like, well, who's who's the ultimate American badass? And you go like, well, it's Sam Elliott from Roadhouse. That's who it is. Like, we go like, it's Clint Eastwood. We don't have that much money. Well, then it's Sam Elliott. Like, yeah. <laughs> Somebody call for an action star. Well, plus yeah, Sam, that's good. Sam Elliott can do physical work. Clint Eastwood can't. Like Clint Eastwood's super stiff. Like sure. Sam, Sam Elliott will give you a little Aikido roll. He'll he'll throw some punches. You can probably break a balsa box on his back. He's like, also charming, and I think for a movie like that, you want the hero to have a little bit of charm. He can be a little surly too, but you don't want him to be antagonistic. I don't want to make true grit. I want to no. make I want to make a a fun. I want a fun like larger than life character, right? No, I think yeah. I think the joke of the film is 
he's as badass as everyone says. Right. That's the movie I want to watch. He's great. And like, yeah, we'll show him, we'll show him having some weaknesses and with some sadness and stuff. We'll get to all that. But no, I think the joke is you expect him to be a washed up drunk. And like, like uh, when you meet him, he just won a cage match. And you're like, holy shit. Like that guy beat up five people. (laughs) Like It's the Conan, right? Conan the Barbarian is fun because he's the best. And it doesn't also, he can't be a Mary Sue. But, like, what makes Conan fun to watch is, like, oh, the door fell down. Ah, Conan has super strength. Like, oh, no, five guys are attacking. Don't worry, Conan's an expert warrior. Like, it's fun. It's sort it's of, fun. It, it's exactly the same reason that Hugh Jackman was instantly likable in the first X-Men film, right? Oh, you yeah. Find him, you find him in a, he, he's as kick-ass as you think he is. You go, yeah. like, I'm going to see Wolverine in a movie. I've never seen it. And, like, love it or hate it, you leave that theater going, like, Wolverine rules. I, that's, why, that's why it was like his big breakout role right like oh absolutely for for blockbuster popcorn films absolutely yes absolutely okay. it was yeah okay so so who who's our who's our window into the world i think like okay so getting back to gold ridgeback there's probably a cold open that sets up that sets up the villain but maybe not. I don't know. But pretty quickly, we've got to get to a character with the proverbial map in their hand, tr- like rushing into the pit fight at Madagascar where we meet Goldridgeback. Like, who is that person and what do they want to accomplish? And who wants what they want? Who's, who, who are our protagonists and our antagonists? Because I feel like Goldridgeback isn't the protagonist. He's the pivot of the movie. Well, yeah, exactly. The... Which is fun as hell, because then we can do anything we want with him. (laughs) Well, also, it's like watching one of the Lou Ferrigno Hercules movies where you go like, you're not really going to learn anything about Hercules. He's just going to (laughs) go through a bunch of shit. Like, he doesn't doesn't change. He's just going to throw a bear into space halfway through. Like, you know. (laughs) Christ, I forgot about that scene. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's... (laughs) But, yeah, it it is, like, it is Conan, right? Like, Conan is fun to read and watch because, like, interesting characters come into his life and do interesting things but he's always just kind of sullen and beats people up all of those guys are great that's that's why solomon kane is great that's why all of that pulpy stuff is great is that the heroes don't really change just the adventures change so i i put this question to you in the interest of having fun and we've mentioned supernatural what's the most fun thing you could throw 80 sam elliott at man that's a great question. I mean, I because, think because like, you you know you you gotta you have to think like King of the Mummies. I know we did Crypt Crushers, but like you know, like it's got to be just fucking nuts. A tribe of Sasquatch. You know, like it's got to be insane. Yeah, I mean, watching Sam Elliott beat up a Yeti would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be but real fucking fun, Drew. <laughs> it would be pretty fucking fun. What if it was like, hmm, do you remember in, I think it's Eye of the Tiger, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger? Mm-hmm. It might be Seventh Voyage, where that guy brings that uh, kind of pan-Hindu statue to life, and it has like six arms. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. What if it was like, what if it was like something that, like, what I'm thinking is like, Sasquatch is big and hairy, like, that's fun. What if it was something that had like multiple arms? And it could like swing a lot of swords or it could like, like, so he had to do some rolling and he had to like, is it like snake people that live in the hollow earth? Oh, you know what we should do? We should tie it to like the old gods or like 
like some sort of mythological being. You know well, what I it mean? Could be, it could be the Naga. It could be the snake people of Southeast Asia. Yeah. Like the people that came before and they're still there. They're living in the jungle and you got to go fight snake people, Sam Elliott. That could be fun. And we could, we could put some David Icky stuff in yeah. there. Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> All right, now we're now I'm heavily invested in the plot of this film as a but let's, proud let's, owner let's of multiple it. David Icky books. We're not going to do it right now, but let's get a Yeti fight in this movie. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think it's a throwaway scene that they like filmed thinking it would be really great. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh God, that's just the, that's the Harry and the Henderson suit. They just reuse the Harry and the Henderson suit. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like trailer fodder, right? Is yeah, like, you, you see it in the trailer thinking, oh, that's going to be such a cool moment. And then it's like, no, a Yeti wanders into their camp in one scene and Sam Elliott judo kicks it. Like, yeah, okay. just straight up punches him in the face and he goes down. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Okay, no, but I agree. So to get back to the film, what, yes. what, I, I, I understand what you're asking is basically it's like, who is our little girl in True Grit? and what what do they need Goldridge back to do? I get the question. Our little girl? Well, no, our little girl from True Grit. Like, who is our person oh, that oh, comes okay. cool, cool, cool. to go, to to Goldridge back? Who's fun? Who's fun to have in a movie with him? Do you want it to be somebody funny? Because this person's going to have a lot of screen time. Like, do you want it to yeah. be a comedy? Do you want it to be more like romancing the stone? Like, do we want it to be like? almost a love interest thing. A lot of stuff we could throw at that um, that I think makes yeah, make make good movies. There's a lot of ways to make a good movie out of that. So I think, I th- hmm, okay, I think the natural thing to do and maybe the thing we ought to do is make this our female lead. And there's kind of a will they, won't they about the whole movie. And I think because of the character, it has to end with, well, okay, it either has to do the thing where they kiss at the end of the movie and then we start the next Gold Richback movie and she's just out of the picture for no reason. Indiana Jones, yeah. Right, or they never happen because he's a wanderer and he's got to be alone for all time or whatever. Or, I don't know, we could make good on the promise of the first Indiana Jones movie and this is the story of the partner that he gets. Or they agree to work together, like, damn it, I respect you. <laughs> well, you know, and then your third option is romancing the stone crocodile Dundee where sure. he, he does and so you have you have options there. I do like I, I do I, like the idea the the other thing that we could do, because I like the idea of having like a big a big personality in the film that's a, a mm-hmm, female mm-hmm. actress is the 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 villain could be a uh a female villain. We have a lot of fun with female villains. Um, I think female villains are a ton of fun. I think, that, I think they're great. We've done it before on the podcast, and I think the reason we've done it the, the number of times we have is that I genuinely love films with female villains, and I think it's And there aren't enough aren't, good ones out there. There aren't enough good ones out there because there are actresses that got those chops and... I mean, Jesus, you watch even a movie like Chronicles of Narnia and go like, I'll tell you who made that film. It, oh, it yeah. was, oh, my God. Yes. Holy <laughs> shit. Yes. <laughs> it was Tilda Swinton but yeah, made that, movie that fucking all movie. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. She is. And, you know, you, they gave her just – she's not in that movie a lot. And you go like, oh, man, every time she's on the screen, I am fucking terrified of her. Yeah, it's it's she's so it's, it's hard though because, like, to quote myself, like I would watch Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton eat a sandwich as a movie. Like she's just so compelling every yes. minute she's on camera. Like, 
I don't think she's ever done a bad role. Like I fucking loved her in Constantine. I thought she was like the best part of Dr. Strange. <laughs> like, she, no, actually, she, I, I take that back. That dude that plays Wong in Dr. Strange. The guy, yeah, I was going to say Wong, Wong, <laughs> Wong is amazing in, in Dr. Strange, but let's that not go down there. Dude. He no, had a, actually, as long, to, to kind of keep us on track though, Dr. Strange is another uh, great example of like how you can have an, action hero who fights supernatural villains and things like that so yeah 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 that's fun okay i don't so, i don't want to make i don't want to make gold ridge back a magician but the fact that there would be like magic in the movie i like that quite a lot we got to put this movie together though because we've we've circled this idea it sounds like we're having a lot of fun but we haven't talked at all about the story so let's take your suggestion we're gonna have a female lead as the villain i think that Adriana Barbeau is an excellent fit for a female villain. She was in The Thing. She was in Swamp Thing. She was in Escape from New York. She did a ton of amazing movies in the 80s. She's still out there. She's still working. She pops up every now and then. Um, uh, She's fucking incredible. She's beautiful. I don't know that she ever played a villain. I can't think of a movie where she ever did. I'm going through her filmography. I'm not seeing... She was in everything, though, dude. She was in uh, Back to School. She was in Creep Show. She was in Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was in... Yeah, oh, she's great. She's... And again, she's one of those actresses that probably has the chops to play a villain and just was never... Well, and if we do this in the 80s, she's somewhere between late 30s and mid 40s. And I like that a lot. That's a cool villain. Like an accomplished woman who's 40 years old who's treasure hunting. Like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, she's gorgeous. I, I think I said that. She's she's beautiful. So, like, I like that. She can look awesome on camera. I want to see her with a machine gun just, like, trying to kill Gold Ridgeback. Well, but, and the nice thing for us is that even by the time we're talking about setting this film, she's done tons of genre work. So holy, it's like, Oh, no, she's super comfortable in this space. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really great... Like, people in reptile costumes oh. are not going to phase her. <laughs> like... No, and putting her in something silly, she's not going to care. She's like, I was Swamp Thing's boyfriend, girlfriend. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I can do this. Don't even sweat. Seriously. Uh, like, okay. No big deal. So what, is, what does her character want or have that Gold Ridgeback can threaten or also wants? Like, what, is, what does is this, this character want? It, it, is this but like a... Build, what I'm suggesting is let's build this movie from the villain's perspective. Well, is it a race to the MacGuffin? Is that what we're setting up? Is it, is it, they, they want something and gold, only gold, we, we need gold ridge back to beat the villain to the thing. Could be. I feel like gold Ridgeback's special power is he gets to mysterious places, right? Right. Oh, okay. Um, well, like he's the guy who like, he's seen right. the temple of whatever he's been to the jungles of whatever, like he's seen like, so they need him to get to the place that she's trying to get to. Okay. God, everything that's popping into my head, I'm like, that's from another movie, dude. I was like, what if it was something wild in Antarctica? I'm like, that's the thing, you idiot. Um, like, <laughs> um, I, I like this idea, though. I like this idea of it being like an unexplored land, like Shangri-La or, you know, whatever. Ooh, that, that's you know. very cool. Well, no, what if we do the Himalayas? Right, exactly. And then we get our Yeti fight. Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. So we can start like in the lowlands of India and then go to like 
Kashmir, and then we can get into like the foothills of the Himalayas, and then we can end in snow-capped, snow-capped mountains. Oh, this is good. Too. Okay, we need to start working quickly. This is very good too because we, it, you have spent time in India. We at least know a little bit culturally and especially mythologically about those things. So I think there's a lot of stuff we could draw on. That's very good. What we need to figure out real quick is who this third character is. Hmm. Um, or if we just, or if there's just a group that sets, that hires Gold Ridgeback. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. I mean, we are, we are flirting with the plot of Uncharted 2, but that's okay. Well, we're flirting with the plots of all the movies we've brought up, pretty much. Well, what's, what's Shangri-La supposed to have in mythology? Is it well, like, Shangri-La you is, live forever? You live forever. Yeah, in Shangri-La, the, the, the richest city in the world where nobody ever dies. It's the Atlantis that made it, right? <laughs> okay, so that's, okay, well, here we go. So your cold open is a... A young man is dying in a hospital somewhere in India. And there's a whole bunch of people trying to like, they're saying prayers over him and yada, 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 yada. And we see a woman enter the hospital area. I think it's probably in a house or something. It's not like in a nice hospital. Um, And as the man expires, she asks him some questions in the local language that I don't think are necessarily translated and like maybe she takes like a like a necklace he has or a book or some kind of artifact and steps outside and we reveal that this is our villain Adriana Bourbeau and somebody asks her something and we reveal that the person who died that we thought was like a 15-year-old kid is actually like 800 years old okay like he he has like a ring or a necklace and this is we get a glimmer that she smiles like sinisterly, like, holy shit, I found it. This, this guy was a, a ref, an escapee from Shangri-La for whatever reason. That's cool. We can come back to that later. Like, you need to get out of Shangri-La. It's a prison. That's great. Okay, perfect. Good, good, good. Then we cut to, maybe it's, maybe it is like a government or something. But anyway, what I'm stabbing at is Adriana Barbeau is going to Shangri-La to get the secret of eternal youth and she's going to sell it to the highest bidder for billions and billions of dollars. Somebody needs to stop her. Somebody wants that stopped. And maybe it's the government of India, honestly, or maybe it's the government of Tibet or something where they're like, no, no, no. Like it's a state secret. We know Shangri-La is there. She cannot reach that. She cannot go there. We will pay any amount of money. Like it does not matter. We just have to stop her but nobody can chase her down. Well, maybe her old ex fling and fellow treasure hunter gold Ridgeback can. I like that. I like that a lot. Does any of that work? That was kind of a ramble. No, no, no. It, it, it works. It works really well. It's, I mean, there's holes, but that's fine. Let's fill in the holes. Um, well, here's, here's what I like about that. It gives Adriana Barbeau a really clear objective. She's going to find Shangri-La. She's going to get the thing. She's going to sell it. She's going to, it's going to change the world for the worse. Two, the root of the villain's demise is in the thing they're chasing. It turns out Shangri-La's a prison. It's like Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Like when you drink from the, the grail, you can't leave the temple. Can't leave, right, exactly. Right? Or you die. And maybe it's bad news up there. I don't know. The other thing I like is Adriana Barbeau and, Na- and Gold Ridgeback are now tied. Where he's like, oh shit. Like, platinum 
Chihuahua is on this one. Oh shit, I used to know her. It, no, it's great. I'm trying to, I think now what you end up having is um I, I like the idea of, of Gold Ridgeback being um commissioned by a government to go out there and do that. And I okay. think what happens is we give him like they're like, and you need to meet up with your like like in a James Bond film, you need to meet up with your contact, your liaison or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't need any help. And it's like a Sherpa type character. And he's actually really smart. He's very funny. And that's going to be where you're like, you'll have kind of action between the two of them. I was actually trying to find a really good Indian actor from the 1980s or so. Oh, I I got this. I got this, dude. Amitabh uh, Amitabh Bhaktan. I had him on on my list. So I'm glad... He is the big, I mean, Shah Rukh Khan now is the, the biggest, biggest, biggest actor over there. But for right. years and years, Amitabh Bakchan was like, he was in everything. He is maybe the biggest Bollywood star that's ever existed. That's, I was going to say, if you, I, I could see in the 80s them being like, hey, you want to be in an American action film? And oh, like, he, yeah, he's great too. Super physical, uh, speaks perfect English, like totally could be like, this is, this is a cool thing. If like, if they shot some of this movie on location in India, like to do some early crossover international cinema stuff, if they got Amitabh Bakhtan or Bakhtan, that would be, it would be the biggest film in India. Like it would be an, an American blockbuster with a Bollywood star in it. Fuck, they would eat that up. I mean, I see it as like a major studio film with a medium sized budget. Like, I don't yeah. see it as, like, a canon film at all. I think that they would shoot on some on location, yeah, in India. And then the Shangri-La stuff and the interiors, they're going to shoot those on set. or whatever. Yeah, yeah they're, exactly. They're flying everybody to England to shoot them on set. Yeah, totally. Right. So I think that's a good mod- – boy, that gives the movie a good feel, too, because it's going to have that, like – Kind kind of what you love about Indiana Jones movies is they go from like set piece to set piece to set piece. Those are the best action or, or adventure movies for me. It's like let's keep the adventure going, right? Well, Don't and- stop the action. Put the put the fucking pedal to the metal and just drive through this thing, right? This is great. This is great character building at the beginning. We can do really easily by flipping the the like noble savage thing on its head. And so so Amitabh. Uh, Bakchan shows up at a pit fight in Afghanistan and finds Gold Ridgeback, played by Sam Elliott. And he's like, the Indian government, which is to retain your services, like he's extremely polite. He's extremely civilized. He's extremely intelligent. And mm-hmm. Sam Neill is like spitting on the ground and like drinking whiskey out of a bottle. And he's like, why the fuck does my government want to hire you? You're a piece of shit. And then like, now we have this fun journey where he like, he slides her picture across the table and Gold Ridgeback is like, oh shit, Adriana Barbeau's character, whatever her name is, like, okay, yeah, no, she's super bad news. If you say it's if you say it's her and it's as bad as you say, like, let's go. Now we have them. We do like a fun scene where they get to India and he's a stranger in a strange land. Uh, we get to well, like but a, I I, I like get, the idea of him never being a stranger in a strange land. So when he when when so because he's oh. been <laughs> everywhere. So like I I like when he's like he's like he's like fine and he's like. Um, and then you know his hookup is like I'll I'll be your liaison I'll be accompanying you and he, and he like he runs him through like a list of like where's your family from 
What city are you from? Nowhere. Like, Nothing. How, like, how, well, well, no, 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 not Gold Ridgeback, but like he, Gold Ridgeback, like drills. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like they, they, they get like, in the airplane together and he looks and over he, and he's like, oh, He's asking okay. him like survivalist questions and he knows all the answers. And so like the, the joke of that scene is like, you'll do, you might make it, you know, like that oh, kind of thing, right? No, I like, like that. Like, he's, like, like uh, Amitabh's character, the, the kind of steward character, the Virgil is right. Like, very prim and proper and he's like this guy's a drunk they get on the airplane he's still drunk from the night before and he's like so your family's from tamil nadu and he's like what the fuck he's like i'd guess your dad was from chennai your mom was probably from kerala interesting and he's like what what the fuck like yeah dude your dialect the way you walk the the way the hand you use to hold your food like he picks up all that. but at the same time it gives our steward character like qualifications, right? He's not helpless. He's not, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, and then and you then want, you don't want you don't want just some wimp walking around with him because then we're back in Eddie Deason territory, and that's not fun. Yeah, Am- Amitabh is wrong for it. I was going to suggest that we have a Sikh character, but I think we can take what I wanted to do with the Sikh character, which is like, yeah, make make his steward like a very competent warrior. Like he well, works. Well, he works for the Indian military, right? So, like, he's he's an accomplished warrior. He's a good fighter. He's the opposite of Gold Ridgeback, who is, like, a bare-knuckle brawler with a machete. He's the guy who, like, he can kill with Garat, right? Well, and you know what it is? Is it's I've always wanted to see the movies that are implied by the opening scene of Temple of Doom, where Hell the guy yeah. with the gun gets yeah. shot and he goes, I followed you on many adventures, but on, on the greatest adventure of all, I go first and you go like, wait a minute, back the fuck up. I well, want to watch the movies with this guy in Indian. Like Sala is a great character in an adventure movie because he has agency. You care about him. He's skilled. And when you make an, like when you have this super, almost super heroic adventure it's great to give them a sidekick that isn't worthless right it's more fun like now now it's an adventure for two it's not quite a double hander but it's it's close and i think that's fun yeah. well it's 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 oded fierce character from the mummy right do you remember the dude there the you mummy? go yes exactly Who has, like, he has well it, the mummy is a movie that pays that off where like he has crazy facial tattoos and like he starts off as this like dark warrior character and then over the course of the movie him and brendan fraser form this relationship where like when they reach for guns brendan fraser reaches for a revolver and he reaches for like a 50 caliber machine gun and it's right. like back to back let's go bro and you're like yeah that's so cool like and they that's, love each other. and that's what would be great see is that in every gold ridgeback movie he would have a different he sidekick picks, he picks up a competent sidekick so it's a two-hander so it's it's a two-hander but obviously Gold is the main attraction. Yeah, the main attraction, right? Um, Okay, so that's very good. So here's what we got to do because we've done a lot of character work and just a little bit of of uh, of of story work. I don't I don't think we need to talk story a ton so much as like what do we want to see? We definitely want to see that Yeti fight, right? Yeti fight's got to happen. I I think we already have a model for how to build out this film really quickly, and it's Heatline Jamaica. Oh, so, of course it is. So, so I will, I will start. They, yes. they, get, they get to Mumbai. The plane lands from Afghanistan. Uh, Gold Ridgeback shows weird competency with being able to like, he's obviously been to Mumbai before. He knows like shortcuts and shit to get around. Uh, and they end up staying in a nicer than expected hotel, which makes Gold Ridgeback very uncomfortable, uh, where they are attacked 
by uh, some assassins sent by Adriana Barbeau's character, uh, where we show that Gold Ridgeback and uh, Amitabh Bakchan's character are competent fighters, and they realize we're going to be hunted the whole way. We've got to get out of Mumbai. So they go to... Well, I think that they... This, this is where they head for the mountains, right? I think, I think it's a train. They get on a train. Perfect, perfect. We're taking a train to the mountains. Um, on the train, more assassins, right? Um, well, it's a good chance for them to review the facts, too, like in the train car. Well, we got, yeah, we, like we didn't Heatline Jamaica. We had, we had campfire scenes in Heatline Jamaica because you have to have little breaks for the characters to get together and kind of get everyone up to date. So I think train ride is good because it lets them do that. But then, ooh, not assassins. There should be a, there should be an, like a James Bond, like a Jaws type villain. Yeah, I love um, that. That's like, great. Um, and and it could be it could be anybody, but like let let's let's have like a crazy villain that has like you know metal arms or like fucking cool. you, you know and and then it's a big train fight and we go up on the roof and then we go down on the we go back in the cars and and we're kicking out of windows and back into windows and I love this. Like, what if it was a double a double amputee with swords for arms? That's really wild. I like that a lot. That's like he cool. wears like a coat or like a poncho and he throws it back and he has swords for arms. Like that no, sounds like great. It. It's fucking great. I like that. So they're on the train. They make it through the, the, the fight and they reach the base of the Himalaya mountains. And at that point, what happens? <sighs> they reach the base of the Himalayas. They get off and, Oh, we've got to switch into snow gear now. Uh, I mean, that's not base really how camp. the players work, but it's, yeah, base, base camp. Perfect, base yes. So they, we have like a montage of them hiking into the foothills, and now we're at base camp. There's a snowstorm outside, and we get like a campfire scene, I think, where, you know, we get some more details about what, what the next stage is. Like, uh, and then, oh, shit, that's what we should do. So then there's like a spotlight on their camp and they're like, whoa, what the fuck? Are we under attack? And who's there is Adriana Barbeau. And they're like, they see her. She's at their camp like with a gun. And she's like, gold, I respect you. Like, give this up. I'm going to Shangri-La. And they're like, no, we have to stop you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'll, I'll, hell is going to descend on you if you keep fighting me. Just like, give it up right now, darling or something. And that's where we see like, darling, like, oh shit, were you guys together? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then, she fires her gun in the air and gets on some snowmobiles and drives away, which causes an avalanche. Oh, this is good. I like that. Okay. So now they have to like abandon camp. They lose all their shit. It's all covered in snow. We get like a, like a less wacky version of the willow scene with the snow sled or maybe it's wacky actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, Uh, (laughs) which, which ends with them crashing into, I think the Yeti cave. We just keep that scene going for two or three beats longer than it needs to. And then it's like, oh, fuck, now he's fighting a Yeti. Oh, shit. And then, like, yeah, he beats the Yeti somehow. And I think they end up in, like, uh, let's have them. No, I want that. I was going to say let's have them end up in a little village, but that makes it feel safe. I think they have to spend the night in the Yeti's cave without food, without water, without lights, without any means of reaching Shangri-La. This is the low point of Act 2. Like, she beat them. I, th- I, I I think that they skin the Yeti and are wearing <laughs> Yeti clothes and then they eat the Yeti to survive. <laughs> See? 
and, and it's and that's it is a low point but it's also a chance for comedy where gold ridgeback's like you don't know how to cook a yeti you want the flank that's what you want you want the, Dude, was, you want the flank was, from the yeti like that's what i was gonna say is he's like he he like skewers it on a knife and amitabh bakchan's like i'm a vegetarian and he's like really and kind of gives him a look and he's like yeah all right and eats the yeti and then sam elliott's like yeah all right this guy's okay like <laughs> That's that's very funny. It's cute. It's good. It's a, it's good to have those. Like that's that's fun. Like I I I wanted to have like a f- that kind of fun vibe. I don't know what rating this movie would get. Do you feel like this is a PG thirteener or do you think it goes R? I think. Well, it's a great question. I think it depends on who they thought they could sell it to. Right. I, so like, I mean, do you put in some topless women and a little extra cursing and somebody like an extra gets their arm ripped off by the Yeti and now we're hard R territory? I think here, here's my honest answer. I think they shoot all of those scenes. And when they get to the editing room, they make a call about whether it's PG or it's R or if, right. it, depending on when it's made, if it's PG 13 or R. Right. Um, my guess, well, I'll t- like, look, because this is because we're making this up anyway. I want this to be a hard R movie. I I think, I think it'd be a ton yeah. more fun if like people are getting their arms ripped off and we get some squib work. We're like, yeah, Adriana Barbeau just rattles off an MP40 and we see a couple extras just get absolutely turned into Jello. Like that feels way more fun to me. <laughs> you can you can still do you can still do light comedy in a hard R too that's kind of like oh for sure you can yeah only 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 recently has that kind of come back into vogue with films like deadpool and stuff like that where people are like oh yeah you can make a hard r movie and also just like very light-hearted comedy i like that mix i like that the r comes from violence and not so much from like language sex and language yeah yeah I mean, no, I have no great. problem with the nudity and stuff like that, but I, I, I like the idea of it, him being such this over-the-top well, action hero that the action is so intense and graphic, and, but, but then, like, the interpersonal scenes are just really conversational and nice. Well, it's, you know it's what, what I mean? It, yeah, it's what makes it, like, a really fun Planet X movie is, like, on set, Sam Elliott and Amitabh Bakchan, like, actually really got along, and so their yeah. scenes are really fun, and the movie itself is really small. It stays focused on them, we're not really concerned with anybody else. So we get some really fun scenes with them. And it's a hard R because the action, when the action starts, it's way bloodier than you think it should be, which is great. And if it was going to have nudity, given the film the way it is right now, this feels like a film where they would have been like, I don't know, let's just have a belly dancer walk in topless. That's something from over there, right? Also, I like, think when you like get to boob, Shangri-La... Like those, I, those, those boobs don't matter. And like that's super reductive and shitty, and that feels like exactly the move a shitty producer with this script would do. I also think when you get to Shangri La and it's paradise, like basically everyone's naked. Oh you know? yeah, you could do that too. Yeah, sure, sure. Then, but like, it makes sense that's, there, that's, right? That's, that's less reductive because then like the men are naked basically too, right? It's just like just gorgeous people with no clothes on up in the mountains. But, but I think but we're in this Yeti cave. You got to get us out of here. Yeah, so from the Yeti cave, I think what 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 we do is um our um our sort of sidekick character uh it, they they know where the entrance to Shangri-La. They have to figure out how to get into mm. Shangri-La. And yeah. that's going to be tricky, but what I want to happen is there to be a guardian of Shangri-La. 
a monster. I want another monster fight. Um, it, it can be a different kind of monster. Like this could be an elemental monster. Like the mountain itself comes alive and Ooh. like now we're doing a claymation rock monster giant fight with Sam Elliott, you know, like well, wait, how did, how did Adriana Barbeau get past it? Oh, does she have like an artifact that thing she found in the beginning? Yeah. Like, that thing she's got, she's got the, the quote thing, unquote, or the quote unquote or literal key to Shangri-La. Like she's that's what I was, that I was exactly, she has the key to Shangri-La, right? She has the key to Shangri-La. They don't have it, which means that when they arrive at the gates to Shangri-La, well, and now, now we know the name of the short story from the 1920s that all this was based off. The key to Shangri-La. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yeah. they weren't really called the Gold Ridgeback stories. They each had their own name, okay? That, that was actually based yeah. off Key to Shangri-La. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, technically, it was a novella published in three parts. I'm sorry, but that's... And it's, and it's actually later in the canon. You should read the early stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we know the author was really, really racist, but this is an 80s film. Like, we're going to hand wipe a lot of that. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Like, that's... Tom, Tom Blackface was his pin name, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Elliot Minstrel, Elliot Minstrel Show was his pin name. Oh my god. But okay, so how are you with this though? So that's they, to gain entry, they must fight the Guardian to Shangri-La. I like that. And I like it that it's the mountain come to life. That feels really cool. Right? Big claymation monster fight. Rock, yeah, rock monster. That's great. So that's that's fun. More supernaturalish stuff. That's it's also good because the fights that we've set up get more supernatural as we get to closer to Shangri-La, which I like. We didn't do that on purpose, but it works. It's assassins, then it's a guy with like an amputee with weird arms, then it's a Yeti fight, then it's a mountain coming to life. Things are getting more and more magical. That's really fun to me. Um yeah. But so now, but what does this Shangri-La act look like? Yeah, I mean, what if, hmm. What if it was something like, hmm. Because, like, okay, I like this idea that it's actually cursed. That, like, or not even cursed, but it's not what she wanted. So she gets there, and she finds out that the secret is, hmm. I'm stuck here because what I want to say is like, I don't know, everyone's just stuck in a trance and they're just endlessly meditating or something or like. Well, I was trying to, I was we just coming at it like that or, or something like where like, yeah, you don't age, but you also, you don't, nothing changes. You don't, ex, you're, you're perpetually stuck in a in a particular state. Oh God, no, it's gotta be something. It's gotta be something easy to grab onto. It can't be that philosophical, right? It's gotta be something. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Like it can't, it can't be that esoteric. It's gotta be something really, really basic where she's like, Oh, I'm going to get the secret to eternal youth. And Oh, what if it's, what if it's really dark? What if the secret is that, yeah, you get to live forever, but you you have to like kill somebody like they they're they're kidnapping and killing people and juicing them they're basically vampires i was gonna say we're gonna okay so we're going vampire with this that's fine i'm totally fine with that Um, we're like yeah like that's why oh and we can actually set that up earlier in the movie where like you know children and young people you know are disappearing from the streets of india at alarming rates oh And, and like when they're at base camp for for um 
they uh, they they come outside and uh, Ridgeback is um, splitting planks, and and they're okay. like, "What are you What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, you guys have no idea where you're going, do you?" Um, like where we're going and like he's ready to fight vampires when he gets there oh, oh yeah literal okay yeah let's go literal vampire cool 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 yeah. so well, like the what legend is like what so, if oh okay well I had a th- my thing was going to be what if the citizens of Shangri-La are the original vampires I and love they, that so much they literally descended from the highest point on earth and infiltrated down yes. across the land but Do it. Gold Ridgeback knows this he's heard every story he's heard every tale so like along the way he's doing weird things like he's collecting wooden stakes and he's doing stuff and he's like what are you doing he's like he's getting ready and he's like you don't know anything about Shangri-La do you he's like Shangri-La doesn't exist and they're like and 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 what happens is when when he knows that when they get there see we'll pepper it all through the story the 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 assassin on the train shouldn't be uh, an amputee. It should be a vampire. Well, hold on. Wait, like, wait, wait. I think, man, okay. We're going to make this movie a lot better than it deserves to be right now. I think he's figuring out figuring it out as they go along. Okay. So he, he's heard crazy stories about Shangri-La. When the dude comes along and he's like, oh, yeah, this woman is going to go there. She's seeking eternal life. He's like, okay, Shangri-La, eternal life. Let me file that away. All right. Then they get to India and he, we see him like duck into a bookstore, right? And then on the train, he's reading Bram Stoker's Dracula, but he also has a copy of like Seven Years in Tibet. And he's like, he has like a couple books that he's just, we don't even call attention to it, right? Right. Then, yeah, yeah, they're attacked. Okay, great. Then they get up into the mountains and at base camp, uh, he's chopping wood and making steaks. And they're like, what are you doing, man? And he's like, don't even worry about it. I'm just making firewood. And then like when they crash in the Yeti cave, he finds like a bunch of little kids shoes or like discarded kid clothing. Oh yeah. And, or and like, it's, all, it's like, it's like scenes that as the audience, you're like, what's the skele- fuck is skele- Skeletons are like riddled with bite marks, not on the neck, like on the oh, bones. Even better. And, yeah. Even more and, subtle. And, yeah. And, and so our sidekick guy is like, Oh my God! The Yeti ate these people, and he's like, "Yeti, just don't eat. The well, Yeti didn't eat these people." I just like the idea that like you don't really call attention to all those shots, and then when they walk into Shangri La and it's full of vampires, uh, Amitabh Bakchan's character is like, "What is wrong? What's wrong with them? What are, what's going on?" And he's like, "They're vampires, kid." <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, no." And he's like, "It's easy." And then like, and, and then, then you go back and, and watch the movie, and you're like, "He put it together." And and but when they reach it, and that scene that scene happens the villain has already become a vam a vampiris right cool. okay sure yeah i was like i was like yeah do you have her tortured or do you have her no like, no no don't do that I, yeah have she her, comes out she's the queen of the night she's have her have her have her buy into it her. she yeah. gets a soliloquy where she says i'm going to return to the world and i'm going to create an army of unkillable undead like i'll rule the world i will rule the world the point, okay. the point, like they think she's going up there to get a weapon or to get the secret to eternal youth. And she's like, oh yeah, but I, she knows. See, okay. she knows too. So when we have little scenes where we cut to her, those can also be little clues that like, holy shit. Yeah, we're, we're, she knows what's up. She's like, oh no, I, I am leaving this place to create the world's largest vampire army and a gold ridgeback is like the hell you are and he grabs him a big old steak and just starts <laughs> killing vampires in shangri-la 
All right, and now what this is great is our very first scene where the guy is dying in the hospital. Like uh, somebody is like, he needs light, and they open up a, a like a curtain, and he's like, ah, no, and they're like, they're like, yeah, they're like, no, no, close the window. He's too sensitive. He's too sensitive. Like, and it's like that first clue that oh no 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 no, Shangri La is full of vampires. That's a that's great, great dude. Oh, that's really good. I mean, we did it right. He kills. He kills her. We get a nice scene where they're buddies. And then they're off to the next adventure. The end. Roll credits. Absolutely. Big, big um, adventure movie soundtrack. No need for a pop song. Haven't needed one in a while. You know what? You don't shoehorn those in if you don't need them. I'm, I'm happy with just like a big, big, just sort of pumping soundtrack. Just big orchestral, you know, 50-piece orchestra on a budget or whatever kind of movie. Man, that's really, that's really nice. That came together really well. That's a fun one, dude. I like that a lot, dude. I'd watch the hell out of Gold Ridge back. I would too. Jesus, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's always our litmus test, right? You want to get to the end and go, man, I'm angry this movie doesn't exist. And boy, howdy, am I angry Gold Ridge back does not exist. Yeah, like last week, I was mad that it didn't exist, but I was like, oh, there's a million properties where you have a bunch of really great comedians doing great comedic stuff. I'm not furious that that particular movie doesn't exist. This one I'm kind of pissed doesn't exist. Like, Just to watch Sam Elliott unironically punch a Yeti. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Well done on that one, dude. That that felt... Shangri-La is full of vampires. That's great, yeah. Oh, it's very good. We get our strong female villain in there like we like. Boy, man, we scratched a lot of itches on that one. That was, was very good, dude. That was really fun. I enjoyed Adriana, that. Adriana Barbeau is a, is a vampire is going to be so cool on camera. It, you know what's going to be great is she's going to be really good at playing a character that wants to be a vampire. Yeah, and like she's going to be wearing her outfit from Escape from New York, except she's going to have pale skin and fangs, and I am living for that all day long. Oh, my God, it's good. And I puts a bow on Gold Richback. That's Gold Richback. Uh, Patrick Dooley, thank you so much. That was a great suggestion. That really was a good one. Thanks again, Patrick. That's, that's, that's two. Patrick is working his way into the ranks. Good yeah. job, Patrick. Well done, our good Christian soldier. Uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, we covered it at the beginning, but you can email us. You can go to the website and submit there. Uh, we love your movie title suggestions. We can't do it without you, so uh, please get those in. Uh, when this episode drops, uh, there won't be much time left, uh, but... Uh, we have a screening coming up of The Giver, uh, Feb 22nd at Kunstler Brewing in Southtown. And then we've got another one at the end of April, uh, Hard Boiled. We're every final Friday at Kunstler Brewing. Uh, oh, I'm no, sorry. The, the gate, next one is the gate. The gate. The gate. April is the gate. Uh, or March is the gate. April is Hard Boiled. Uh, you can always go to our website, planetxcinema.com, to get the latest uh, of the screenings and see the latest podcasts and all that stuff. And um, uh, you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram. There's th- we're, we're on all the shits as, yep. con- as our frequent contributor and one-time co-host, Danny Edwards, likes to say. We're on, we're on all the shits. Please come out to the live screenings. Please keep sending us uh, your titles. Um, we're going to do a little house cleaning, and then we're going to go home. So, um, Drew, if you'd like to start. If you liked our voiceover at the top of the episode, uh, that's Mr. Brian Aarons. You can find him at brianarensvo.com. 
If you like just kick-ass rock and roll in general, but if you particularly enjoy our theme song, Oedipus Sex, it's performed by Pinko. They're a really great band. They are on Bandcamp. Check it out. That track is on their title album or self-titled album, but they have tons of music. Please check them out. They're fantastic. Well, my legend precedes me. I am Drew Hicks. And my legend continues to recede behind me. I am Blair Hicks. But the search for Planet X continues. (laughs) They're living in the jungle and you got to go fight snake people, Sam Elliott.